So, welcome to Kin Yoga, and today's guest is Deepika Mehta. So, Deepika is a most humble and down-to-earth person whilst having achieved an incredible amount in her life, cutting her own path as one of the first modern Indian women to practice and be authorised by Vitabi Joyce. Having suffered a serious climbing accident when she was a teenager that laid her up in bed for months, this period marked an intense and deep introduction to yoga, which happened as she read Autobiography of a Yogi, a great book if you haven't read it yet, by uh, Yogananda. So first of all, it wasn't asana that, that piqued her interest, it was actually a deeper kind of spiritual level, as it were. And it was through this and other reading that she started to get into yoga, first as a tool for healing, really, and self-inquiry. Only later, as a highly active person already, that she became interested in Ashtanga Yoga. I think it was a couple of years later. Anyway, after years of practice in Mysore, fast-forwarding a few years, as well as travel all around India to the sacred sites, she loves travelling, Deepika settled down again in Mumbai, where she is well known as having taught many of the Bollywood stars and famous, uh, famous Illuminati of Mumbai and India, as well as featuring on a number of TV shows and, on yoga and appearing on the cover of numerous um, magazines, Indian Vogue, Elle, for example, as well as having given a TED Talk at the UN headquarters in New York. Anyway, and however, despite all this, Deepika is a most approachable and pragmatic in her attitude to life and to yoga. And having recently had a baby, we talk a great deal about her inner flexibility now and the ability to relate practice as an ever-involving continuum, taking in wellness as the deepest aim and in the deepest way. So welcome Deepika to Keen on Yoga. So welcome Deepika uh, to Keelan Yoga. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, Thank you yeah. so much, Adam. Thank you for having yeah, me. Lovely to see you. Um, really just uh, give a little basic overview of how you got into yoga, because I know that you had a uh, kind of interesting trajectory with a, a climbing accident and a rehabilitation, which is yeah. an interesting story to share. Yeah. Well, you know, it seems like another lifetime, yeah. so... Um, it's 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 like for me now it's a story yeah but like when I go back it, basically I was around 21 I think or 22 and I was very fascinated with mountaineering and rock climbing and I had just done a mountaineering course which was uh I, I was thinking I'm going to become a mountaineer I mean you know when yeah. you're that young everything Absolutely. seems like you're going to become as soon as you like something yeah, yeah I'm going to be that yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 so I had done this course, which was pretty like high level. And then I got back um, and um, I was doing some free uh, bouldering without any ropes and stuff. And I remember climbing a rock and uh, I climbed up, but I didn't know how to come down because it was pretty like, it was quite intense. And I fell off the rock and uh, it was around 40 feet and I broke my ankle and my arm. And basically, after that, it took me like, I mean, I was in, hosp in hospital for a long time. You were I lucky. Was on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was on a bed for a very long time, on a wheelchair for a long time, and then with crutches. And so it took me like two years to really get back. And that's where I discovered yoga and, you know, right. the whole spiritual aspect of it. Yeah. And... Yeah. And was that a part of the rehabilitation or just something you started to do afterwards? Or 
you know back then in india like i mean this is more than 20 years back and there there was not really um there was not really very good rehabilitation focus there was not very good physiotherapy and stuff like that so this is just my own like exploration i was just like you know i was just doing very base i, I don't even think i was doing rehabilitation there was no structured rehabilitation the doctor just told me you're going to take rest for two however long it takes to get out of your cast to get onto your crutches whatever and then then we're going to see what happens kind of thing it was not very structured back then in india and i had always been very active you know i'd always love dance and movement and trekking I, i used to love trekking a lot and so the thought of just being in bed you know like pretty much on my own for so long it it was pretty daunting and the rest of my friends were in college and you know i felt a bit left behind i felt quite depressed um and so i started you know reading up on pranic healing and then i discovered this book called autobiography for you oh yeah yeah parma hansa yeah. yogananda yeah. and that just fantastic book yeah you know, yeah, yeah. sparked yeah. an interest yeah. in yeah. me in this world of energetics and the power of you know mind over matter and all of this kind of stuff and so for me that's what yoga meant you know it was not really such like so asana based because i i was not really able to move my whole entire left side of my body was in a like kind of in a cast uh but it was more like the thought and the philosophy of it you know connecting to the breath and connecting to an uh, a higher power inside for me that was what i was very attracted to this kind of feeling of connecting to my own power and um, you know it started off like that i started doing very gentle asanas to, just on my bed because i couldn't put my foot on the ground and it just gave me a glimpse into something which made me feel peaceful and it kind of really sparked my interest and then i just went on a whole you know journey with that mm, mm. i was reflect yeah. back when i started and you didn't really need to do much right like i mean, just basically a forward fold with breathing or like a like one of the kind of like old fashioned kind of like side twists you know like and that was almost enough and you just feel it was like you felt amazing like i don't know it's it's I'm, you know even though like you've been active i was playing every sport under the sun there's something kind of different you know when you when you started doing that with the breath It, it was even though you're just doing so little at the time when I look back of what I was doing you know it was so profound in its effects i i don't really still understand it to this day you know and again like you know like you reading like you know the paramats uh, uh, yogananda and william dalrymple stuff and uh, arnold's uh, light on asia you know just you know uh, siddhartha you know all these kind of books that really really fire you up you know and uh, but how, yeah, how did you get into ashtanga then from there so i mean it was a very long journey um first i i just you know i started baby steps literally so when i watched my baby literally i went through that process i would i had a very strong sense of i don't know something about these books really set off this very deep sense of passion in me uh for movement you know because literally i was like you know on a bed like without being able to move so it felt like like being in jail like in a cage and suddenly that was all i wanted was to be able to move yeah so i remember i mean from firstly i would just be in bed do my yoga practice and do some little bits of movement to music all kinds of really funny things 
but then gently as i started learning to you know just being able to take a step and a step i remember i would have a diary and i would write i took five steps today and six steps and then my parents had a house in the mountains in india i'd studied in the mountains for a while so i have a very deep connection with the mountains and so we moved there for a while and i remember i would just walk you know a few steps every day and that was basically what it was uh but like i said there was a very deep passion you know for movement and then eventually i went to uh, rishikesh you know over a period of time as i got more mobile i went to rishikesh and i did some hatha yoga and back then yoga was not as hip yeah. you know as it is yeah, yeah, now yeah. even in india mm. it's been a revival totally. literally mm. and back then you know it was really like you had to really search to find the rishikesh and it i really, remember you were searching at rishikesh oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> that just shows you how especially, yeah. absolutely i especially an urban indian you know it was like an urban indian woman all the things uh, young girl all the things which they would not think of as a person who would be attracted to yoga you would have to be uh you know a monk or an ascetic or somebody who wanted to like really was seeking in you know like wearing white robes and beads uh, and you know all of that mm, kind of stuff mm. or really old you know and very sick so i remember looking for a teacher and then getting into asana practice and then uh eventually i went to the shivananda yoga kendra i got into shivananda yoga and i went to the shivananda yoga kendra i did a few teacher training so i went to vivekananda yoga uh, kendra in bangalore uh it's called the swasa they're big time into therapy and stuff like this from there i went to shivananda yoga kendra and i did a teacher training it's in kerala and i do, i mean it was beautiful i thought i was going to become like a hermit it was such a beautiful like a really yogi way of living you know like from the morning to the evening there was like a routine where you would meditate and do karma yoga and chanting and bhakti yoga and asana and pranayama and i remember there i saw somebody doing ashtanga and the at back then it was really in the jungle and it was very wild and i remember seeing this person doing this practice and i'd always loved dance and so when i saw this person moving and there was this kind of rhythm and it was in the jungle i was like wow this is incredible what is this it really looked like like so incredible watching somebody just moving continuously like with an energetic element and so i asked this person and he said oh you're indian you should know about this i was like oh i have no idea he said you know there's a teacher in mysore and i learned this it's ashtanga and so then eventually i got the address i wrote a letter to guruji to patabi joyce and uh, but of course i didn't get any answer or whatever but I, so then i ended up going to mysore and then i went to meet him and even he didn't believe i was indian because there was not so many young modern indians who were coming back right. it was more locals yeah like more the local people and so then i started practicing with him and uh, you know and that's that's it. i was just hooked right and that was in the old shala yeah. i mean what kind yeah, of like old, late old late, late 90s early 2000s i suppose to to 2001 i think or 2002 right. yeah did you spend a long time there I mean, you know did you yeah how did it get the like, first yeah. trip the first trip was 3 months um and then i went back a few times and uh, you know it was just incredible i remember being in this room and everybody there looked really edgy <laughs> you know there was no like normal looking right, people right. either they had tons right. of tattoos or they had fear 
piercings or they were wearing black and then i was like wow this is like <laughs> this secret fight club of yoga and i was like this is where i want to learn you know it's so mysterious and like this is like this small little like you know it was just very attractive and also very intimidating for an indian you know i was not used to meeting so many westerners back then and the practice of course was very intimidating because you know everybody was so advanced and so yeah you know like i was hooked but um, yeah. and and you made a lot i mean incredible amount of progress through after your injury i mean you developed into the advanced series and i think you know you like you, you know you did you did really uh succeed with it and uh, subsequently though you've become a mother more recently so i wanted to particularly talk to you today about how how things are, you know the most interesting how things have really changed you know and how yoga has deepened for you and how yoga has expanded for you um you know on becoming a mother because i know you know it, for many for, for all women it's a it's a huge change and um you know and you know uh, how i mean on the first you know just off the top of your head the first thing what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you with uh, how things have changed it's 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 been the biggest practice mm. like life changing practice for me i think after my accident this has been the most life changing practice because first of all mark and me had not planned uh, you know oh you didn't uh, oh i thought you did no oh, right okay no <laughs> okay and i was right. really 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 you know working on my practice and then i was didn't get my period for a while and i was telling mark something is wrong maybe i'm going to have menopause or god knows what and he was like no you know a friend of mine said no maybe you should check it out and then i figured i was pregnant so it was challenging for me to accept at first um because i had never really thought of you know thought of myself as as a mother you were planning to have children and not really i've never been attracted to being a mother <laughs> right so you know it was really quite like really like destiny you know and like complete change of like you know where you thought you were heading towards but for sure i i mean i have to say it is definitely i don't want to you know clichés and whatever everybody says the same thing but i do feel it is number one the most intense practice spiritual practice that i think you can ever do and also it really has given me a sense of purpose even though it's been so challenging even physically it's been very challenging for me it's just given me this deep sense of purpose because i really feel like i need to work on myself now uh you know like relationships like having a child who's your mirror literally you know my friend used to tell me this she was like you're going to have your mirror like she's going to do every she's going to reflect all the stuff that you feel like you've been hiding from yourself and i see that and i've really like it's made me really want to work on myself you know it's given me this new and also you want to bring up this person as well as you mm, can of course yeah i suppose the first thing that comes to mind is what what i mean i'm kind of intrigued as to like could you give an example of what she was reflecting back to you like what what is yeah so like if i'm really like of course the nights are pretty exhausting even now for mark for mark and me Uh, but because i'm still breastfeeding it's a little physically more uh, exhausting but if i'm really grumpy you know which is quite easy because you're hormonal you've not slept you like oh i want to do my practice and now i have to sit and do this all those thoughts go on in your head and literally i can see her reflecting that back on me she'll be like oh but i don't want to be near you if you don't you know like right 
I mean, she she wouldn't say yeah, that no. because she's just a she's a baby, yeah. but you can really sense like every emotion. Like I can sense that she is also she's got she's out. her own little mm. she's her own little person, mm. you know. So like we have to be so careful of what we're modeling, as in like what she's seeing in us. Mm. Because if she sees her parents always aggressive and fighting and kind of resenting. having to be with her but actually wanting to just do a yoga practice the child picks up on that even if they're really young uh, you know it's very subtle so i really had to let go a lot and just drop like morning the, sometimes in the morning i'm like oh i'm going to do this today but then i wake up i'm with her and then she wants to be with us right and like we like okay i i'm just like this is my practice right now I have been practicing for this practice, mm, you know. Mm, so I don't pra- need to practice yeah. anymore putting putting my leg behind my head. What I need to practice is being present with this child. So yeah, it's it's she's really teaching us both. I mean, I would say it's equal for Mark and me. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's easier in a way to practice than the other half of it. The abhyasa varyakya, you know, the not practicing the relinquishment, the renunciation is harder in a way than you know. So it's a pra- yeah. you know, practice. Yeah, you know. You're you're used to your structure and your stillness, and I'm used to just being able to sit and just meditate for ten minutes and drink my tea and look at the sky and connect to God. And like she's like, no, I want to move. You have to stay with me now. Try to find stillness in this kind of in- insanity and chaos. What about yeah. how it's how? I mean, can you say how physically things have changed? Like going through. I mean, I, I assume you practice through pregnancy and then after pregnancy, it's rather you know it's rather different. Um, yeah, I mean, do you just want to detail how you for you know especially for women out there how you've got your practice how you've got your practice back and what you've done. You know? Yeah. So I was very active through my pregnancy, like my first try, but but by the book, by I mean not by the book in the sense of like. weird advice from people but really i really seeked out the people that i thought i could look up to and i really like also i was really connected to my body you know i first trimester i didn't do anything too much like no jump back jump throughs but i still did a practice like i i was practicing every day almost but i had a lot of morning sickness so i didn't do any jump back jump throughs i didn't want to engage my core too much the first trimester i was told it's very important to you know not push your abdominals the second trimester i felt like i was flying so i was doing everything intense handstands intense back bends everything possible you know suddenly it was like wow i can do everything i want and you know i felt great and the third trimester i was very focused that i wanted to have a really good natural childbirth so everything was about the birth So I was I mean I did a practice the morning that uh you know I went into labor I did a full primary series but I was also doing something called spinning babies and hypno babe you know hypnosis and really preparing for the natural child, like water birth so What's spinning I babies I didn't want to do so spinning babies is actually a yoga based uh form of I I don't know movement or kind of a protocol where they figure out the pos- in the tri- last trimester they figure out the position of the baby so if the head is down or whatever and so the movements are kind of designed to make the process of the natural childbirth as optimum as possible so if your baby is breech they don't recommend too many inversions 
and you know stuff like that so i stopped doing too many inversions i would just do a headstand just to kind of feel centered and grounded but not very long no handstands nothing just really and not no back bends because i didn't want to overstretch my front abdominal region so everything was about you know that the moment of giving birth you know i like to prepare for everything i do really well so it was like like we were i was doing like it was like morning to evening like classes right. hypno babies <laughs> visualization mantras whatever whatever and so the ch- the child my you know her birth was just incredible i had a midwife even though it was in the peak of uh, covid in india my uh, family thought i was insane that i was going to have a natural childbirth in the peak of covid you know because if something went wrong they were like you have no you know medical so you were at home help no it was at a, a midwife's uh, space but there was no proper medical you know she's a midwife mm. so there she was not a doctor mm-hmm. and uh, you know i was i was very focused that i want to have a natural childbirth mm. this is my moment and i want to be very conscious when i give birth and so it was beautiful it was like very the most magical but very intense and painful <laughs> for sure experience and uh, you know postpartum has definitely been more challenging than prenatal than prenatal for me because prenatal i had all the time and i had the energy to really prepare myself but with postpartum it's like you're in the deep end nobody teaches you how to be a parent and suddenly you just have to learn for yourself mm. you know you're already you're sleep deprived you're like trying to figure out how to breastfeed how to put the baby to sleep and you know just look after another human it's a huge mm. like mm. it it's it's a lot of work mm. so yeah uh, do you suffer emotionally at all as i know a lot of women have difficulties postpartum emotionally and it's not spoken of much i I don't feel depressed because I have a lot of passion mm. and I feel like I really want to um, you know I'm very driven you know at the same time I I if I wake up and I feel like my nervous I haven't slept enough and my nervous system is very fatigued I will not do a like I won't do an intense practice I I have enough things you know in my toolkit then I'll do a very gentle restorative practice if I've not had enough sleep I'll do a yoga nidra so I'm quite gentle on myself but at the same time I'm quite driven it's like you know a lot of yin and yang uh so I've not suffered with depression for sure but for sure I've had a lot of fatigue and exhaustion you know and and the physical like i've had pain every single possible pain in my body from breastfeeding now for 2 years like my fingers i've had pain shoulders ribs back knees because breastfeeding is quite intense i think especially when you're doing it for so long uh so that's been very challenging and the sleep deprivation for sure has been very challenging you know how have you developed your yeah. practice again what you know can you say can you document how you built it up for women to understand how well you know as an yeah. as an example of what you've done yeah. yeah so firstly i was pretty patient my midwife told me 8 weeks you don't do anything after you give birth because you want to make sure you've repaired your body and also because i was in india and you know in india there's a very strong tradition of the first 8 weeks uh, the mother is just learning a lot of things and healing so i mean i was looking after my baby but i was not doing any physical exercise at all nothing uh and then 
after eight weeks, I started doing some uh, postpartum abdominal work. So very specific to that, not engaging too much of rectus abdominis, more very subtle transverse abdominis work and stability work to make sure that I was, you know, really bringing everything back. I didn't have any diastasis recti just to recover. And so I was quite gradual about that. And I remember the first maybe month I was, when I started doing Ashtanga again, no bracing of my abdominals, just no, nothing intense, just movement. Uh, you know, breathing, you know, drishti movement, nothing too hard, just making sure my body is moving and just getting it to flow, to flow, the energy to flow again. Um, and then, you know, I really listened to my body. So when I started feeling like, like I'm getting back my strength, I started, you know, just developing the practice a bit more. Back pains are very easy some days and really hard some days. You know, it's amazing. One day I can be doing like the deepest back pain. The next day it's like I can't even think about bending back. Because your body is literally in such a, uh, you know, when you with the breastfeeding, there's a lot of flexion of the spine. So sometimes it does feel a bit like your back is a bit um, achy. Mm, right, right, right. So I've just really listened to that, but I've also, you know, incorporated weight training, uh, movement like dance, all of that in. So, you know, I think that really helps me to keep everything together. How long has it been now since, since you've been doing a full practice again? Have you, did, did you reach up? To, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you reach up to the same level? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've uh, now started, I just, a few weeks back, I mean, I've been in and out of doing third. It's it's strange though I'm not as ambitious about doing third as I used to be. You know, I was really ambitious. I was like before baby, before my baby came along, I was like, I have to finish third this year and you know, all of that. And now there's a part of me which is like really like why? <laughs> you know, of course I still like want to be able to do like copying and stuff like this but the arm balances don't attract me that much for some reason um it just doesn't feel i and this is you know this is just me i don't want to say that any other woman has to be like me i really feel every woman everybody has their own unique mix and so for me now i'm more attracted on most days to a more feminine Again, you know, it's very difficult to define feminine. I don't want to be cliche by saying just fluid movements are feminine or whatever. But I'm quite attracted to, you know, it serves my body a bit more to uh, move with a combination of strength and softness. Right. So just doing a lot of arm balances doesn't feel like it serves my body mm. right now. But you're doing the strength training elsewhere because I see you doing other move yeah, movement practice. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do strength training. So you definitely training. do yeah, it. Do like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do strength training like twice a week, like lower body heavy weights. I mean, for me, they're pretty heavy. And uh, upper body, I feel like my Ashtanga practice is like kind of an upper body training. But just a little bit of pulling work, you know, like rhomboids, lats, stuff, which I feel I don't really engage in the Ashtanga practice. So is that why you do yeah. it? Just different movements or do you, you like the weights or any other, you know? 
need a reason well you know i'm in my i'm in my 40s and i feel firstly i've always been very attracted to fitness i feel like i want to have my yoga practice to feel really calm and centered and of course it's i love the challenge but there's also another aspect of me which i guess is quite yang and so i like that kind of um intensity you know the dopamine or whatever it is and so for me the weight training just satiates that part of me you know even emotionally i feel like it's like like yesterday i i mean i was doing an weight training session it felt like therapy right because i i felt like i was able to let go of a lot of like unresolved anger interesting you know right. it's, it's never done weights so like yeah I'm, yeah it's kind of intrigues when, yeah. when i'm when i'm doing weight training i can be like aggressive right, right. when i'm doing yoga i don't want to be right. aggressive i want to be very calm I like the pr- yoga practice to seem very almost graceful and effortless and when I'm doing my weight training I'm okay to be messy and aggressive and if I feel like letting out a shout I can do that I don't I don't want to do that in my yoga right. practice so I like to have those yeah, two yeah, elements yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. and you say yeah. your approach has changed a little bit to the yoga itself I mean I know you're interested in wellness and expanding wellness most generally now yeah. outside of yoga itself I mean what other processes do you incorporate in in your vision of yoga now and your and maybe your your style of teaching I mean I, I, um a lot so i like i you know like the movement practices i do which are mainly dance based are not so much about the aesthetics they are more about like inner exploration um like for example if i'm feeling sadness you know sometimes in the yoga practice i feel like i would not allow myself to feel the emotion it always had to be about feeling bliss you know or feeling uh, uh, or something else but when i'm just moving in an intuitive way with dance it's like i'm able to feel whatever i want to feel you know so it i would say it's almost like dance therapy you know just allowing myself to feel unresolved emotions and almost having a safe place in my own room or whatever it is to just be able to process what i feel you know and not have to let let it out on somebody else yeah <laughs> uh and then uh, mom yeah. being the person yeah. <laughs> oh god and uh, the other thing i love is i really love like you know yoga nidra like i guess now it's getting quite popular it's called the uh, you know non deep sleep rest or whatever something but i love yoga nidra because i really feel it gives me a recharge and uh, you know around my moon cycle i try to do a more like menstrual cycle based practice which is quite ayangar yoga based and i feel like it really uh, nourishes me rather than uh, like pretty much like a week before my period i'll start doing very gentle stuff and then you know the journaling pranayama meditation like like all of that right, so you keep that in your daily practice the meditation and pranayama is part of the you 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 yeah 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 incorporate that into yeah. it right what about your teaching approach do you i mean would you say that you've the the whole process of motherhood etc has, ch- has changed your style of teaching at all oh yeah 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 totally for number one i'm very empathetic towards women now and people in general because i feel like it's not just women but i think also covid has brought like maybe a lot of people are going through anxiety and uh, some kind of mental health stuff and so i'm very because maybe i've felt it in myself very deeply that i'm very empathetic towards people 
so if i like for for example the day that i'm feeling tired or i'm feeling like my nervous system is feeling too wired or 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 something or anxiety or something i'm not going to push myself and i i'm the same with my students i if i feel like they're feeling depleted or they didn't sleep well the night before or for a woman if she's close to her you know her moon cycle i'm more into like just listen to your body and nurture yourself i will not tell them push through this you know because i do feel like you have to listen to your nervous system like if your uh, you know your level of cortisol is too high or your and you if you have a kind of a slight tendency towards feeling anxiety then i feel like pushing your nervous system by doing very intense things is not going to serve that it rather you do the practice i still feel you can do a great yoga ashtanga practice in a way like primary can be like done like a restorative practice like to me it's like a perfect if you don't really do the jump back jump throughs aggressively with all the forward folds you can actually do it in a very calming way so i would encourage the person to to listen to their body and not feel like they have to do something intense um you know so i feel like my approach has really changed that way i'm much more empathetic but of course if i feel like somebody is not doing uh, is not pushing themselves because they're lazy <laughs> or lacking yeah. motivation yeah, yeah. lacking lacking motivation then that's the role that i like you know i'm happy to play the role of being somebody who's like a coach or you know making them believe that they can do more than they think they can and you know being a bit of a motivator i like yes. doing that as well because i know you are cuz yes, yeah you i, can I do yeah it. <laughs> um, if people haven't listened to my my podcast with true bay india pratima she you know she sings your praises as a teacher you know um, as as a motivational yeah, factor so it's yeah. like it's like both you know like a motivational coach but also like kind of like a mom to <sighs> everybody now there's a mix there's a mix of both I like, yeah. As a kind of side swipe, I, I forgot to ask you about diet. I mean, have has your diet changed as you've become a mother? And um, you know, what, what, what? How do you relate to diet and food? Uh, so now I'm I'm not vegetarian anymore because I guess firstly because of breastfeeding so much. Uh, so I do have bone broth. I have. I have some fish. I'll eat some eggs because I do feel my body needs, um, you know, my because I'm feeding this much. I really feel like I need to replenish myself. And also, I've uh, dabbled a little bit with kind of a mix of an Ayurvedic approach, a very like my own version of it. So not eating much raw at night. You know, in the past, I was eating a lot of raw food, and I was, you know, eating like. I was always very attracted to a plant-based diet. Now it's a combination of a plant-based diet with some stuff which I feel like my body needs, so concentrated sources of some kind of animal protein, bone broth. Um and also at nights I like to have more like a warm, you know, nourishing meal rather than raw kind of stuff. So that's I definitely have changed my approach towards a diet. Was it a struggle for you to go non-veg after? So I assume you were a vegetarian for quite a while, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, you know, there's the guilt for sure. You feel like, um, you know, because you're so attracted to this high vibration kind of, um, you know, prana and what you believe is ahimsa and all of this. So for me, definitely, it was challenging. But I realize if I have to feed my child, I have to nourish myself. so i have to nurture and you know take care of myself and 
the first one year we were in india so i had um, you know help from my family and you know in the indian tradition there's a lot of focus on this kind of nourishing foods for the mother so you know my parents my mom was like really like encouraging me to you know eat whatever she felt like would nourish me and and i would do some tests my blood tests and stuff like that and i felt like i needed sources concentrated sources of iron mm. and um, you know stuff like that mm. Mm. yeah takes a bit of flexibility to kind of you know once you've got a mindset of being vegetarian you know to to amend oneself right um yeah yeah, yeah. um I mean ultimately I would love to go back to a vegetarian right, right. diet. I feel like um you know I spiritually I feel the best when I'm on a on a vegetarian diet. Physically I was falling sick and I was feeling quite depleted so I felt like I have to eat something that is going to you know I was just listening to my body and I feel like everybody has to find their own unique there's no one for all. I feel like you really have to tap into what what you're feeling, and also you know it's good to do some kind of uh, blood tests regularly. Check out your iron levels. Check out B12. Just you know, just so you have some kind of uh, you know you you're like have some clarity on what you need to eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and finally, going back to the point you made earlier about uh, being a Indian woman in Ashtanga or in yoga. I mean, um, can you make any observations about how how that how that's been, how that's changed? Is yoga, you know, is yoga? People talk about yoga as a patriarchal system. It, you know, have you have you found it? There's been any discrimination, or you know, can you say anything about that journey? Because you were probably unusual at the time as a single urban, as you say, modern Indian woman coming to these these spheres, right? Um, yeah. You know, for me, I've uh, in the yoga practice, I've not not really ever had to face this uh, patriarchal energy. But in general, being an Indian woman in a society which has had years of you know patriarchy, there is a constant sense of even women thinking from a patriarchal perspective. So not necessarily just in the yoga world, but in general, being an Indian woman, I do feel like. even as a role as a mother you know uh, you're expected that as a woman you should be the one to be the ma- ma- main care provider and you should be the one to sacrifice and you know all of this is a very indian way of thinking and so i've always challenged that a lot you know also the fact that i you know have had a baby in my mid 40s that's a very uh, I, uh, i was never going to ask your age but i knew that probably you're over 40 right so i mean that's incredible you just got pregnant just like that both because marcus must be late 40s right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah so it's late so you know yeah, all yeah. of those Yeah. all of those things are very unlike an indian woman you know so for me i've always challenged that like for me i've always just and thankfully my family has been very supportive and uh, it's not just like i said in the yoga world in general having to have a sense of purpose which is just beyond getting married and you know having a baby i've always had that sense of purpose and so that was already pretty challenging you know for most people in india um in the yoga world i do feel like um you know i mentioned this in the ashtanga mm, um, conference yeah yeah, know, yeah, con- yeah 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 that i do feel women have their cycle you know they have four periods of their um men's their cycle and i do feel it's important for women to kind of listen to that 
for a man he has a circadian rhythm you know he's you know men have like the 24 hour rhythm for women they have four different cycles of the month and so if they tune themselves a little bit to this i do feel they will thrive a little bit more because you would be really balancing your hormones like for example like i said just 10 days before your period you don't want to be pushing your adrenals you don't want to be doing anything too intense physically you don't want to be uh depriving yourself in terms of your calories you know so i feel like listening to yourself as a woman can become your power not a weakness if you understand that if i tune in to this energy that i have and don't think that i'm being lazy today because i'm you know actually this is how i'm feeling hormonally this can become your power you know so i do feel if you start changing your perspective of thinking of it more as a strength rather than as a weakness it can become something that can nourish your your practice as a woman you know so i am you know i i can i can go hardcore like i'm sure you've seen <laughs> but i listen to when i'm ready to go all out and when i'm ready right. to just chill out and become a little bit more soft and feminine that's yeah that's amazing you can just you know you're able to kind of drop it and pick it up again because you're you know you're still at a very high level of training and i mean i think it's a great point you make as well because often now i think it's you know even for women you know critiquing other women there's this idea that of exact sameness the you know the women's power lies in measuring up to men or competing with men rather than you oh, know yeah. embodying yeah, what, yeah. what womanhood is and coming back to that power as a, as a woman that's a, i think that's a, a really yeah. salient and a really good point to make yeah 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 um, Yeah I mean there are days that I feel like doing a handstand and or or I'm like my body feels like it's really ready to do like really hard things and there are days where I feel like right now is not the time and if I actually listen to myself when I get out of this cycle I'm going to actually have more energy you know so I feel like that can really become something which is uh, it can give you more energy eventually mm-hmm. And you talk and finally yeah. I mean, just to maybe round off the interview do you talk of purpose and always having a purpose and more than just having a baby and having a family right I mean what was that purpose then and how has it changed now what would you say your purpose is I mean to be very honest and without sounding cliche for me connecting to god or connecting to the source whether through movement whether through teaching whether through life has always been my most important like my devotion has been the biggest motivating factor for me uh now i earlier i would view the way i connected to god through movement or you know you know like mountaineering or like achieving something in my yoga practice all of that i felt like that was my like connection to god now i really feel like I still have that a lot but there is also this purpose that I want to bring up a child that is not messed up <laughs> you know it's it's impossible Good like that. yeah it's impossible. <laughs> yeah I know yeah. I know it's it's, it's impossible yeah, literally it's, it's not it's possible yeah it's great though yeah cuz cuz eventually we're all human you know so of course I am human mark is human we're all human we have our own samskaras we've come with our own patterns and the two of us together and then bringing in a baby who's also come with her own uh, you know her own emotional patterns already you can see she's already got her personality which is not just me and you know mark it's already her own person so it's impossible to not have anything tainted but trying our best you know like making sure that 
we you know do everything we can to make her thrive i would say that was that would be that is added to the sense of life purpose now mm, mm, mm. and professionally what are you what are you both mark and you doing there now are you are you are you planning to open anywhere just on a on a yeah, personal note yeah, yeah. we're going to we're going to teach in august our bali intensive and also uh, both both of us also individually are really like i'm working on my online you know classes a lot and you know setting up an online business and so is mark like separately and also together we're going to start our intensive so our first one is going to be in august and you're still teaching traditional ashtanga yoga but you're supplementing it with other movement modalities yeah. right yeah you know for me like everything can juice the practice right yeah so if i'm if i'm doing handstands i feel like it goes into my ashtanga practice if i'm doing some kind of movement dance based stuff i feel like it serves the practice So in the mornings I I do we I think we want to we still are going to have a Mysore program because we love that structure quietness silence and you know everybody being able to stay in this kind of energy together and the afternoons will be workshops with a bit of play technique community I also want to add an element of fun and community because I feel people are really missing absolutely. this as well yeah, you know because yeah. people are also missing having social connections mm. so maybe having some kind of playful energy where people can connect but you know still with a similar kind of conscious energy mm, mm, mm. what is um, yeah last question what is what inspires you in life i mean have you got like a particular book or place or person or you know something that could... i i get inspired by a lot of things you know i'm inspired by a lot i'm inspired by art i'm inspired by poetry i'm inspired by movement uh, dance mm. i really love what kind of what, what is it what uh, dance do you do by the way cuz you talk about dance a lot i never asked you exactly what kind of dances you do i mean like i said to me it's not just an aesthetic thing it's not just how it looks visually it's more how you know it's about connecting to yourself within and just moving with music of course with with an external rhythm but it's just finding your own language and sometimes that can mean like connecting to it like a meditation so it almost becomes cathartic to let go of unresolved emotions and sometimes it can be like finding different patterns in your body so as, rather than moving habitually you know just in the same way all the time you know finding a different movement pattern within your own body like for example like like for example i'm giving you a small exercise like moving but feeling like your belly button is drawing different alphabets or moving and feeling like you're moving through air or you're moving through water or you're moving through um mush hmm. like mm-hmm. ma- you know something which has a lot of viscosity re- yeah 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 so it's the same in the yoga practice you can move like you're moving through air no resistance no effort just really fluid working with prana or you can move like you're moving with water so it's like kind of more fluid using the inhales and exhales for this kind of um you know fluid element or you can move like you really want to you know really be strong and you're resisting everything so there's this kind of intensity and bracing inside so it's just playing with different elements so i play with this in the dance and then sometimes i use this in my yoga practice mm, mm. yeah 
I've never tried dance and yeah, it's uh, not something that comes naturally, but it sounds wonderful. <laughs> no, but it's, you know, it's also neuroplasticity, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's all neuroplasticity. You can really feel your brain thriving on new forms of movement. The other one, other form of movement, which I've been really doing this one year is Kalari. It's a martial art from India called Kalari Pai 2. And I've been studying it now for a year. It's a warrior practice. Right. I think I've seen some of that on your Instagram. And, uh, some kicking. Some, yeah, yeah, and it's... Yeah, you're very yeah, good, yeah, you're very yeah, good yeah. with so kicks. So I wouldn't want to get yeah. in the way of you with those kicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so is my, yeah. so my daughter. Right. She's amazing. Yeah, high kicks. kicks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so... So this particular form of martial arts has got a very similar aspect like Ashtanga. Like there's a drishti, there's a breath, and there's a certain structure that you follow. So I feel like every time I'm, you're doing a new form of movement, it just, you know, your brain is just finding new, new languages. So I, I love that. And I, I feel like it really makes you thrive. All right. Well, to finish off, I mean, what, what, how would you define like being a woman? What, what is being a woman for you? Because I mean, I wanted to make it a little bit more a discussion on this topic, really. So, I'd like to finish on that note. So, I don't really find that these cliches of like just being always soft and fluid doesn't always have to be a woman. Because if you think of like the Indian goddesses, there's Durga, who's like a warrior; she's strong. There's Kali, who's like rage. Uh, there's Saraswati, who's the you know the goddess of knowledge. So there are so many different embodiments. There's so many different um, you know essences mm -hmm. of being a woman. Mm -hmm. Also, to to give birth to a mm -hmm. child, you really have to find an inner power. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't feel like being a woman is this cliche of just completely surrendering all the time. Uh, it's it's a mix of so many elements, you know. But there is definitely a quality of surrender. You know, the essence is even if it's connecting to your power, there, there's an element of surrendering to it. Hmm. I know it sounds so That's like, interesting. like yeah. kind of, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've, so that's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, there's a power. There's definitely a power with you there, and like a strength. But right, I mean, it's also like a framed within some kind of element of devotion, right? I mean, you have come yeah. naturally devotive. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Like you have your natraj in front of you. I have my. How do you? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This thing's so heavy, you know. Such a heavy statue. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that statue. We bring it everywhere. Yeah, but it is. God, the Ganesh one, we've got a Ganesh one as well, but even heavier, you know, so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Moving around with these things, like, so weight, well, that's, yeah, what, that's no, weightlifting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, it's been a lovely time spent. Uh, thank thanks for your time. You. And, uh, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye.